What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm Shelly Metling, and I've been sharing my infertility journey openly on YouTube for about a year now. With four losses ourselves and one rainbow baby on the way, I wanted a platform for you babes to share your stories. So girl, sit back, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry, because we are about to get real on the ins and outs of pregnancy loss in the 21st century. Welcome to the show, Carmen. How are you? you? I'm so well. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you. And your last name is, is it Winterland? Winterland. Winterland. So Carmen Winterland. So you've been dealing with pregnancy loss for quite some time. I found you on Instagram and I totally creeped on you and I was like, (laughs) okay, I have to get this girl on the show because we have not heard a story like yours yet. So I'm really excited and I will be learning a lot with the listeners. So that's really cool. Um, But you, so you've been dealing with pregnancy loss for a while, but you just recently started sharing your story, correct? Correct. I, um, I would share here and there, like closest friends and outside friends kind of know. But as far as like putting it out there to the world, I just started the end of August. Okay, very cool. And you have an Instagram and a blog that you started sharing on. Um, yes. So I want to dig into that at some point here on the podcast. But first, okay. I just kind of want you to go through your story because it's, it's quite the long one. <laughs> and so just start from the beginning. We want to hear it all. All right. Um, well, Ever since I was little, it's all I wanted to be was to grow up and to be a mom. And so um, all growing up, everybody was like, you would go to college. You're going to get married within the first six months. You're at college, and you're going to have all these babies. I wanted 10. I wanted 10 babies. <laughs> and I went to college, and I ended up graduating with my bachelor's degree. And um, I got married shortly after. And um, I ended up having a lump in my left breast that had to be removed. So we had to postpone trying because I wanted to try right away. We had to wait a year. And as soon as that year mark came, I was ready to go. But during that year mark, I actually got pregnant on accident and um, miscarried within at that five-week mark. We didn't think anything of it. It was just we weren't trying. It'll be okay. And we just kind of moved on. And then when that year mark hit – we started trying and it didn't, I thought for sure that first month was going to be it. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Yeah. I was ready. And then when it, I started spotting, I was like, no, this is not happening. I'm pregnant. And then the reality came was like, oh, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and then months after there was nothing happening. And then it was probably a year later I got pregnant and the same thing happened Right around the five, six-week mark, I lost this baby. And when I went to the doctors, they were just telling me it's normal. It happens all the time. Nothing to worry about. And so. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> what else was I supposed to do but try yeah. again? You and know? you just try. You try, you put your trust in the doctors, too. Absolutely. So it's like, okay. Like, Absolutely. Yep. So it took another. That was 05. And then it wasn't until 07 when I got pregnant again. So it was, there's a lot of time in between each time, which was kind of odd to me. Yeah. Um, 
And how is that mentally? Like horrible. Yeah, because it's like you're not only dealing with losing your pregnancies, but you're also dealing with the amount of time that it's taking, which can be a um quite the roller coaster. Draining emotion roller coaster, yes. And you're up, you're like, I've been pregnant, and everybody's like, Well, you've gotten pregnant, so this shouldn't be a problem now. And I'm like, Well, it's not happening. I read every book under the sun on um fertility. Mm-hmm. And how to have, get a baby. I have regular cycles. Um, and I have since I was little, when I started my cycle, I've never had issues with my cycle. I had the testing done for the cervical mucus. I had, mm-hmm. I, back in the day, we didn't have apps or cool things <laughs> to do our basal temperature. So I had the old school chart where I had to like draw like my the paper lines. chart. Yes. Yeah. Paper lines, paper chart. I basal. I did my basal temperature religiously, and every month it was the same. So I was. It was dumbfounding me why it wasn't happening. So then in February of '07, I end up being pregnant again. But I. This one was a very short-lived one. It was quick. It wasn't even. I barely made it to the five-week mark, and it was over and done with. And we were getting ready to move to Arizona, so we kind of put a halt on trying. And um, as soon as we got to Arizona, it was like in May, I had to wait the whole, you know, three to four month insurance. And then I started seeing a doctor in Arizona, and she was like, eh, three miscarriages, your timeline, let's just give it a whirl. How about you do some acupuncture? So I started doing acupuncture religiously. And she was like, you're going to get pregnant with this acupuncture. It's going to work. And I was super excited. And I did notice a lot of things occurring with acupuncture. It helped with my anxiety. Yes. I, I have a diagnosis of bipolar. And so it did help me with my depression. Um, I did feel physical changes doing acupuncture. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried it too for anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love it for anxiety reasons. Oh, absolutely. Um, but of course that wasn't the miracle worker. Yeah. And in February of 09, I got pregnant. And again, within that five, six week mark, I was another baby. And at this point, my OBJ was like, this is way over my expertise, my realm. Yeah. yeah. Expertise. So she's like, I need to send you to a fertility specialist. But she said, one thing I want to do is some blood work on you. And she did the heavy dose, like where they look at factor five, MTHFR, um, lupus, like the real heavy, deep blood work. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time in these five years of trying that I actually got answers to something that was wrong and I did come up positive with the MTHFR um, antibody and I actually have the worst kind which goes along with the blood clotting disorder okay so what happens with the MTHFR is I don't process folic acid in anything I don't methylate it I don't have um, the ability to break it down and absorb which correlates to why I was as a child, I had a lot of failure to thrive issues, didn't have a lot of weight on me, was very sick all the time. Just that answer kind of was amazing. Always tired. Yeah. 
And there is a link now stating that depression and anxiety can go along with this diagnosis as well. Very interesting. My doctor wouldn't. um, So I don't know if you know this, but some doctors totally believe in the MTHFR gene and some doctors do not. Don't. Mm -hmm. Um, My doctor was the one that did not, but (laughs) I was my own advocate in a certain sense. And I took things into my own hands. And I don't know if I have the MTHFR gene, but between my fourth miscarriage and my current pregnancy, I did switch to folate instead of folic acid. Cause I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. There's no harm in just like doing it. Yep. It doesn't who knows hurt if that, you. Yeah. And who knows if that made a difference in anything, but I was like, screw it. <laughs> and it I'm was doing it. no it's true and that's what frustrates me the most and I'm I actually I'm working on a post right now about MTHFR it doesn't hurt to change to folate yeah. so what's the big deal exactly. if you don't believe in it or if you do mm-hmm. what's the big deal it doesn't it's a, hurt it's a you tiny bit more expensive like that's the only thing that I've kind of noticed is it's just like a oh, little bit is. more expensive than folic acid but like Come on, if you are trying to, if you are going through all of this, you will do anything. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, the type that I need needs to be methylated. So it's, it's pretty expensive. It yeah. can be like the font, the one that I did find is about $55 for 60 caplets, which for me, okay. is, but I have more energy. Yeah. I feel different on it. So I know that there's something truth to it. So I find this out. And, um, but she still says, I can't, I I can't do it, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I am a little prideful and I was like, I do not need an infertility doctor. Mm -hmm. And I refused. I did you go through the, the, I'm not infertile. Absolutely. uh I went through that mindset too. And God can do miracles and Mm -hmm. He can help me make this work. And I I refused. And he had other plans. So I decided to try again. And I got pregnant again. And I miscarried. And then I waited a month. And I tried again. And I miscarried. And then on the third time this happened, I was like, okay. I am at my breaking point. Yeah, I was carrying around my baby in a Ziploc bag, which I did a post on this, um, waiting to ask for somebody to ask me when you're going to have kids again, because I was ready to whip my Ziploc bag. You want to see my baby? You want to see my baby? (laughs) This is as far as I can get. Don't you think my baby's beautiful? (laughs) And I was like, oh, you are about to lose it and you need help. And so I found the best infertility doctor in phoenix and she happened to have a cancellation the very next day she got me in we did all of the heavy testing and of course everything came back normal Mm -hmm. so she said we we might as well just do an iui and my husband was so upset and angry because he's like we can get pregnant why are we paying all this money but i was like please do let's we have to do anything to make this work yeah And, um, so we did the IUI and I get pregnant and I lose the baby again at six weeks. So this is number eight. And, um, we meet with her and her idea is to do a laparoscopy. She's thinking I might have endometriosis. So we schedule that and my insurance denies it. (gasps) 
so it's we go worst. so we go to meet with her and she goes well the only option left is IVF and how would you guys like to go about paying that $10,000 to me <laughs> so my husband stood up grabbed my hand and said thank you but no thank you and yeah. goodbye Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm bawling as I'm leaving the office. Like, why could you do this? We need to do this. And he's like, she's not finding out the reasons to why we're getting pregnant. Why would I give her all this money for us to lose another? To possibly fail. Yeah, for real, though. I mean, that's a really hard mindset to grasp. And I remember m- myself and my husband going into the reproductive endocrinologist and we were like, okay, so we have no real answers and (laughs) you want us to pay this much money and we might just lose it all. And like, honestly, I was at a point where I was like, I can't handle losing another pregnancy, which I mean, goodness, you are (laughs) a super strong woman because (laughs) you have had way more than me. Um, But on top of that, losing $10,000 and losing a baby, that's a whole nother level. Right. That's right. hard. And my husband's a realist and he's very mm-hmm. logical. And so I'm and I'm like, I'm all about faith. I'm all about believing. I'm all about there there's gotta be a way to come around this. And he was yeah. like, I'm putting my foot down. We are done. And so that was in September of two thousand nine. And he was like, We need a break. I need a mm-hmm. break. I can't do this right now. And we just Within two weeks later, we found out that we were going to be moving to Seattle, Washington. My husband decided to close down his fire sprinkler company, and he was going to go back to school, and we were going to go back and live with his parents for a little bit. And so at that point, I was like, all right, I can't try because we're moving. So it kind of gave me a reasoning to kind of hold off, which I need. Because mm-hmm. I'm a go-getter. I'm like, no. Yeah, me too. Figure this out. Yep. <laughs> and I'm not stopping yep. until I figure it out. <laughs> And, Which how um, how is that on your marriage? Just curious because like I'm the same way and my husband is sounds very similar to your husband. The whole fertility journey was rough. It was me yeah. driving the train and me dragging him by the collar. Yep. Like he wasn't I see these such sweet posts of husbands with their wives doing the shots, coddling, bringing flowers. I'm so sorry. How you doing? And I'm like, wow. You are my soul sister. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what would have that been like? I didn't have any of that. I did my shots by myself. I dragged him to all the fertility things because he was so angry. Burnt out. Just burnt out. Yeah. Angry. And why are we having to pay for something that should be free was Mm -hmm. his huge ordeal. So he was done. I was done. We needed a big break. And by that time... Then in November, so we quit in September, we found out we're moving in October, and in November I get a phone call from a dear family friend stating there's somebody in my church who is not married and she just found out she's pregnant. I think she was like, she had to been three or four months along, and she's wanting to give the baby up for adoption. And she said, "Would and I knew the family, I knew the girl, so did my husband, because he served a mission there for our church. And, um, so she was like, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I, I yeah. want a family. You're like, this is a sign. This is what right. happened. Yeah. I, I want a family. I'm, I don't care which way it comes. So I get on the phone with this girl. We start talking. We get to Seattle in January and we 
go to LDS services and we are working towards getting our getting certified for adoption. We find out that to do privately would be like $20,000, which everybody says, why don't you just adopt? Yeah, right. (laughs) And they don't understand. Little do they know. Adoption is just as expensive and just as heart wrenching as well. Mm -hmm. But um, we go through the services, we get fingerprinted, we start our case study and um, February seems to be my hard month, but um, she's due in May. It's a little boy. And I always felt like there was a little boy pushing me on and I'm driving home from work. It's dark and I see her phone. I see her name on my phone and I get this feeling over me. She's going to tell me she's not going to give me the baby. So I pick up the phone and she's like, hi. And I was like, I already know you're not giving me the baby, are you? And she's like, no, I've decided to go with another family. Oh, my gosh. And so I was like, she's like, I've prayed about this. I just don't feel like this, that this baby is yours. And I was like, okay, okay. Like, not only have I endured eight miscarriages, now I have a failure of an adoption. So I was just like, what next? What next? How does that compare? I mean, I would assume like grief wise, it's pretty similar. Absolutely. Cause you have your mindset on the baby and when it's coming and it's a, and I knew it was a boy. And it's like, yours and it's yours. And you're ha- like that. That's your child. Just yeah. like when you're pregnant. Absolutely. So we processed that. <laughs> And, um, I decide to look into my health. I'm like, there's got, I have to have something that's momentum right now. My husband, we still didn't have insurance. I was working part-time. My husband was still looking for a job. So we were stagnant on trying. I needed to have something to get me out of this funk. So I started looking into my health. I've always had stomach problems. I've always had issues with depression and foggy head and tiredness and, the MTHFR, you know, methylated B12 was working, but there, I, there was something else. And so I went and did some testing and I found out that I have celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. And it was in crazy <laughs> as I started to turn my into a gluten-free diet, how much of my health was being destroyed by all the things that I used to eat. So I went on a strict gluten-free, sugar-free diet, I guess you would say. And I did that from the end of February because right after I found out I wasn't going to get this baby, I had to have something that was momentum to me. Yep. (laughs) And I did that till the end of September when our insurance kicked in. And my mother-in-law tells me to go see this doctor that she went to when she had all these thyroid issues with her last baby. She goes, she's a regular OB, but she is a brain. And I really feel you should see her. So I go and see her and she's a very stern, not lovable, not huggable type of doctor. And I don't mess with those type of doctors. Because <laughs> I'm a very like touchy-feely. I need to feel like you are like in with me. And yeah. she was just like, and I start telling her, I'm like, I'm having hair loss. I'm having, like, I'm just sad. I'm just having all this time. And she goes, you're depressed. And I was like, 
what? She's like, okay, that was blunt. (laughs) She goes, all of your issues is because you're depressed. You need to go see somebody. You need to talk through all these things that you've gone through. You've had major trauma and you haven't dealt with anything. And the next time I see you in two weeks, you need to have met with a doctor or scheduled a doctor. I'll see you. Bye. And she left. And I was like, I don't swear, but I wanted to call her the B. Like, (laughs) who does she think she is? Like, what? And I how- swear I'll do it for you. <laughs> and I was like, who is this? Who, who does she think she is? And I leave and I go back to work and I'm telling my girlfriend and I was like, you are not going to believe what she said to me. She called me depressed. And as I said it out loud, I just started bawling. And I was like, oh, I am. I am. And she was exactly the doctor I needed because she helped me have a turning point. I immediately found a counselor and I started going to therapy and it literally changed my life because I had not dealt with anything. I shoved every loss under the rug and just said, you have to be strong, Carmen and keep going. But I never dealt with any of it. Mm -hmm. And so she had me process a lot. And, um, so two weeks later I go back and I was like, I met with the doctor. I met with, I got a, I hadn't seen her yet, but I said, I got him, you know, I got in whatever. And she says, okay, now we're going to go through your, and she's a little bit nicer, a little bit warmer. And she's like, I've gone through your records. And she's like, why are you doing fertility treatments? And I was like, that, I don't know. She's like, you can get pregnant. That's not your problem. She goes, there's something else. And she goes, I have to tell you this. My daughter is like you. She's had five miscarriages all around the same time. And um, she is now pregnant. And I was like, what? And she's all, one of my dear colleagues in Texas specializes in what we call natural killer cells. And my daughter has this. And you fit this. She's like, I'm going to call my colleague. We're going to get to the bottom of this. I truly think this is you. And I was like, oh, my goodness. You're like the 10th doctor in these like, all these yeah. years that have thought outside the box. Because that's another thing that some doctors believe in and some yes. doctors oh, don't believe in. Tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. Um, and so I was like, let's do these tests. And my husband and I did these tests. And on thank. Thanksgiving, we found out the night before Thanksgiving, we found out that I have extremely high elevated natural killer cells. And my husband and I share what's called a DQ alpha genotype. And what that means sounds so weird because it means like we're kind of similar. So are we (laughs) brother and sister? (laughs) But we're not. But what's interesting is 50% of his sperm are too similar to my body. So when I get pregnant with a sperm that is a match to my body, instead of the body responding to it as a baby, it thinks of it as a foreign object and immediately goes and kills it. Because if you think about anything that's foreign in your body, your antibodies kill it because it's not supposed to be there. So they don't know the difference between if it's a baby or not. It's just a foreign object and they're going to get it. And so, um, 
they say some women, their elevated cells are heightened even before pregnancy and they never can get pregnant. And then some women like me, you build it up and they get bigger and bigger and bigger into the point where at this point, when I, you know, was seeing this doctor, I hadn't been pregnant for a couple of years. Yeah. After all, after the eight losses. So we were jumping up and down, all excited about something that was like a game plan. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is it. So she's like, I'm going to talk to this doctor. He's my friend and I'm going to get the protocol and we're going to do it. And so we do the protocol and, um, it doesn't work. And we're both just like devastated. But then I have to tell her, cause within this time frame, I, um, I have, we are moving back to Las Vegas. We did like, we moved from Salt Lake to Vegas, to Arizona, to Seattle. And now we're feeling that we're going to go back to Vegas. My husband can't find a job and he's feeling he wants to go back to school there. And I could go back to my company I was working for. Cause I, I worked with children with disabilities from birth to three. I'm a developmental specialist. Okay. So we moved back to Vegas and, um, I, this is in June of 2011 and I wait for my insurance to kick in and I start seeing doctors and, um, long story short, I come along, I come upon Dr. Cher and, um, I, I had seen a, a fertility doctor the day before and he told me, I don't believe in natural killer cells. I don't. I, I think it's a bunch of hogwash. There's not enough, you know, research to back it up, blah, blah, blah. That's I was going to ask problem. you, moving around and jumping from doctor to doctor, I did that at first, um, just trying to find a doctor. And it's hard because then they don't, they're not invested uh-uh. in your story. And, you know, so to stick with one doctor who gets invested is like, so relieving. So jumping mm-hmm. around, that's got to be hard. really hard. Yeah. Moving, moving and telling my story and bringing my medical records that are like this yeah (laughs) and I had one doctor that I saw right before I found Dr. Scher he was like he was an endocrinologist and he was like this is so over my head I don't even know what to do with you I I have to send you to a different doctor and I was like ah awesome I love that I'm like this the most complicated case that I've ever seen (laughs) makes me feel so special um, but the doctor, before I found Dr. Cher, he was like, I will get you pregnant, but I don't believe in X, Y, and Z. You have to do all these tests that I need you to do. And I was like, what test? And he's like, this histosonic pingogram and all the ones that I've already spent thousands of dollars doing. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. I know my tubes are blocked. Mm-hmm. I know my uterus is fine. No. And I just went along with him. And then I laughed and I bawled my eyes out in the car because I was like, oh, when am I going to find a doctor that believes in natural killer cells and knows how to truly help me? And yeah. Then, um, it truly is. It's a fight. It's a fight to not only get pregnant, keep a pregnancy, but it's also <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like you're constantly fighting doctors too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because everybody has their own tactic, their own, no, their beliefs. own feelings and beliefs. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you need to find one that meshes with you. Mm-hmm. And what you think is really going on. And you definitely, like, I loved what you said before about your MTHFR. You have to be your own advocate. It's yeah. huge. If you mm-hmm. don't feel like you have a doctor that's vested in you, find another doctor. Yeah. There are so many that it's not worth putting your time and money into a doctor that's not vested in you. Mm-hmm. 
So the next morning I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning and I had this feeling to get all of my medical records and go to Dr. Cher's office. So around eight o'clock I had a free morning and I went to the office and I went up to the lady and she's like, hello, can I help you? And I was like, does Dr. Cher believe in natural killer cells? And she goes, yes, my darling, he does. And I just lost. I was bawling and she's like, can I help you? And I was like, I've had at this point, I've had eight miscarriages and I need help. And she goes, well, guess what? I just got a cancellation. Would you like to come in today at two? And I was like, like, yes. Yes. (laughs) So I go and see him and he doesn't have a whole lot of time, obviously, to look at my stuff, but he looks at my history quickly and he said, you're in your NK cells are over the top. And then he seems to tell me, I am the founder of natural killer cells. I'm the one who developed this. What? What? I'm like mouth dropped open. Like I have found the God of natural killer cells. He is the one that found it. He is the one that had taught the doctor in Texas. He is the main dude. And I'm like, I'm in Las Vegas with the head doctor of natural killer cells. Wow. Yeah. And he said, He goes, because of everything that you've gone through, I would suggest IVF. And then I started crying. I'm like, why IVF? He goes, have you gotten pregnant since your last miscarriage in in 2009? And I said, no. He goes, do you want to know why? And I said, yeah. He goes, because your antibodies are so high that you will never be able to get pregnant on your own. We need to do IVF because IVF is your best route of picking the the most developed Best the most egg. optimal egg, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to put in. And he goes, even then, you have 11% chance because of your diagnosis, but at least we know we're putting the best of the best in. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not – I was flying high because I had answers. I wrote this blog post, like, I have the missing puzzle piece. Like, this is it. My puzzle, everything is together, but it's IVF. Yeah. The one thing that I told myself four years ago, I would never do. Mm-hmm. I always was like, if I get to IVF, like, no, I'm never doing that. And here I am like, oh my goodness, IVF. We have no money. My husband's a school teacher going, getting his master's degree. I am a developmental specialist who works for the government. We have nothing. How am I going to tell my husband that, you know, it's about $15,000 we're going to be throwing down. Yeah. So I go home excited but scared, and he was like, Mm-mm, there's no way we can do IVF. And so feeling very defeated, I let him stew on it a couple months, and I brought him back to Dr. Cher's office, and Dr. Cher said, I'm going to tell you about this scholarship program that I helped develop, and if you get – you do all the work for it, I will be your doctor, and I will – your IVF will be paid for. Gosh, he's just like the holy grail. <laughs> for real. He, goes, <laughs> he said, you look like my daughter. I just love you and I have to do this for you. So we did this inside, I-N-C-I-I-D. And um, they help women all around the United States have funds for IVF. And there are doctors all over the United States who take one of these scholarship programs and they fund for free the IVF program, which is, it's amazing. So we did our scholarship. We did our, 
raising of the funds and um, December 12th, 2012, we put in our, our golden egg really was a golden egg because we had nine retrieved and all of them died except this golden egg. And this golden egg was a grade three, which is terrible. <laughs> the way Dr. Cher grades them is one, two, or three. But I was like, no, I, God is going to help this. I've got this, how everything has fallen into place. Of course, this is going to work. And um, he puts it in and my body accepts it. Of course, I get pregnant. And Christmas Eve, I find out that I'm going to lose this baby yet again. Oh, my goodness. And the reality of... um things I have to do IVF again so Dr. Cher calls and he says I think I I overstimulated you because you don't have any issues with getting like egg quality and ovulating and all that so he goes I feel like this is my fault I'm gonna do the next round on me so he owns a mistake and he does IVF awesome for us again and of course, we're paying for our own um, medicine and all that, but which is expensive. Uh, yeah, I'm still paying yeah. it off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I still have credit cards to pay off that. <laughs> um, and so we did a transfer on March 13th, 2013, and we put in the best egg out of my seven that fertilized. They were all grade ones, every single one of them, but this one that we put in was like always a couple cells ahead of the other ones. And so Dr. Cher was like, this is the one. This is the one we're putting in. I can only put one egg in because if he puts two in and one is a match and one's not a match, my body will kill both. Oh. So I'm only allowed to do one egg at a time. So he was like, let's pray that this is our golden egg. And it's not a match. And we'll see how this goes. And eight days later... My beta came back at like four something. And then two days later, it was in the thousands. So he oh was goodness. thinking I was going to have twins because mm-hmm. it was just so massive. high. Yeah. yeah. But um, I actually have a video of, of my son's first heartbeat with Dr. Cher. Um, it's the most emotional thing. But on um, it was seven weeks. It was April. I think it was April 7th. We got to hear a heartbeat for the very first time. And how was that after going through, what, nine classes? Nine. Yeah. It was um, unreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I never thought in my entire life that I would get to see that. You know? Yeah. And not only um, nine losses, but X amount of years, too. Like, that's ten, just... Ten years. Yeah. That's ten just years. crazy. Ten years. And so... It was funny because right after that, um, I got a phone call from from uh, Channel 5 News and they wanted to do a story on me because Dr. Cher had let the news out that he had a patient that's had nine miscarriages in 10 years and natural killer sales. And so I ended up, we ended up doing a news story for the Valley, which was kind of cool yeah, and scary so at the cool. same time. Oh, yeah. I'd be sweating. <laughs> I, sweat. I sweat for podcasts, man, if I was on the news. <laughs> <laughs> so I got black on. Um but it was, I, you know, my girlfriend was like, Carmen, I know you're scared. I don't, you don't want everybody to know just yet, but you need to think about the one. 
there's one person out there that if they see their, your story could help them. And that's the whole thing when I started this August is the one. Mm-hmm. If there's one person that I my story can touch and help, then it's worth it all. You know, I was gonna say that's exactly my thought process. Is it's it almost gives a purpose behind everything that you've gone through. Absolutely, uh, that's how I feel. I'm like, okay, there's I didn't lose these babies for nothing. Like there, uh-uh. there's a reason why I was chosen to go through this, and it's not necessarily why me, but it's because. I'm me type of a thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my baby boy was um, eight pounds, three ounces, came at 38 weeks. And he did give me a scare. Um, Luckily, uh, I felt impressed to go to a a high-risk doctor. And he checked my cervix um, regularly. And he saw me weekly. He, I think he felt a little a heavy burden to take me on. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm not losing this. That's like... right. And don't you dare lose this baby. <laughs> yeah. But um, he at uh, 14, well, it was like 14 weeks. My cervix, he was looked at it and he goes, this looks like it's opening. So I was in emergency surgery and he put in a cerclage and he goes, when he, we were getting into the hospital, he was like, I just feel like I need to do this. I'm probably being way over the top, but it's better to be this way. So he puts the cerclage in and he comes up to me and he's just like, his face is white and he puts his hands on me and he's like, it was way worse than I anticipated. And if I hadn't put it in today, you would have had him by 19 weeks. Oh my goodness. He goes, cause you were opening. Like there was no way if I hadn't got it in when I did that we would have been able to stop like what was coming. So (laughs) my little man was such a little fighter. Um, (laughs) And he, he was born on November 21st, 2013. And we named him Kai, which means um, strong ocean, um, strong and unbreakable because he is my strong and unbreakable little boy. Oh, I love that. (laughs) My, our angel, that angel on earth. He really is. And he's a special little spirit. um, And we're so thankful for him. And, you know, people automatically asked right after I had him, are you going to have any more? And I was like, you're like, give me a break. (laughs) (laughs) Took me me forever to have this. Like, I want to cherish it. I don't want to rush it. I don't want to like ruin this time that I have with him. Was Um, there a piece of you that though, that was like, I, I, cause I know for me, Um, I haven't even had this baby yet and I am starting to think about like, okay, well, what if I go through what I've already gone through between this pregnancy and my next pregnancy? Like, do I start trying right away again? Because like, what if it takes years, years? Yeah. (laughs) Like you just, you don't know. And that's one thing that I've learned through this whole process is like before this, I I consider it naive. I was naive. I was like, oh yeah, we're going to get pregnant we're gonna have we're gonna start a family and it's like nope it wasn't that easy (laughs) uh yeah isn't that funny the ones that want to be and have a family right away are the ones that are like neck god's like no there's some lessons to be yeah (laughs) let's let's put a halt on this and just figure some stuff out oh man um I wanted to, but then I didn't because I wanted to, I wanted to soak in my son. I wanted to take it all in. I wanted to just cherish everything because I had worked so hard for it. Yeah. But it was interesting around nine months, he was nine months old. I just got this super strong feeling that we were to try again. 
And um, I laid it slowly and softly to my husband. And he was like, I said, just think about it. You don't have to answer. Just think about it. And he took a couple weeks and he came back and he said, sure. Okay. And so I'm naive thinking, I got pregnant. We have that protocol. Yeah, like this worked. I did the interlipids, which is what you do with natural killer cells. It's an IV IV therapy you do prior to transfer, right when you get a big positive, and then you do it every two weeks before 26 weeks and until 26 weeks. So we have this. We have the doctor. We have the protocol. We figured it out. Of course it's going to work. Yeah. And so I went into the feet, like, flying high. This is going to – I'm going to have this baby, blah, blah, blah. They'll be 18 months apart. It'll be perfect. And Dr. Shares, like, he's go, he's got, you know, high hopes, too. They defrost the first egg, and it doesn't make it, which he says that happens a lot, even with grade one. So we go and defrost another one. We put it in. Of course, you know, I'm pregnant. But then I tested on Dave. I'm a POSer. Like, oh, me too. Me too. I love, I love, <laughs> love to watch the I line have, progression. So do I. It's like my favorite thing to do. So I'm like, and I rather hear, I rather know the news myself than hear it over the phone. Yeah. Like, I agree. I, I want to process it. I don't want to hear somebody tell me over the phone. So, anyways, I'm a POSer. So I was like, I already knew before I went to the beta that I was pregnant. And my levels doubled, and um, things were looking good. So I was like, score, everything's good. And then I, right on the six-week mark, I ran a 5K, and that night I start spotting. And I never, I only spot if I'm going to lose a baby. With mm-hmm. Kai, Same I never here. spotted. So when I saw Brown, I, I told Ryan. You knew. Yeah. This is it. It's over. And he's like, no, it's not. Women all, women spot. And I'm like, no, I don't. Kai, I did not spot. This one is like a miscarriage spot. And then I called Dr. Sherry. He's like, no, it's totally normal. Women spot, blah, blah, blah. And within two days, the heavy, heavy cramping, mm. the back cramping. And I was like, this is it. And Ryan's like, no, it could be. I'm like, no, babe, I know my body. I yeah. know it's going to happen. And that on the- sounds so much like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so then right at 6-5, that baby decided to come out. And I, and this time it, I didn't, it was not, I wasn't expecting it. It, it caught me off guard when it did come out and that that processing you know the baby in your underpants is just never something that you can uh -uh. and then holding like uh holding it and yeah uh uh-huh it's hard now did you did you feel any blame at all with the 5k oh absolutely I I, I was like I know that it has nothing to do with that but personally like I know that blame that you start to take on like I ripped myself apart I'm like why was I running why did I do that um, but I had been running prior to feet. So everybody says, as long as you're doing oh, the yeah. same thing, it's not a big deal. I don't run super fast and way more like a sloth jog. <laughs> so I didn't think it was like a big deal. Oh, I ripped myself apart about uh-huh. that. And it does. It has nothing to do uh-uh. with you losing that pregnancy. But it's something that us women take on. That's just like you start to pick apart everything you did. Because we have to have a tangible reason. Yeah. Because if you have a tangible reason, it makes it... I don't want to say bearable, but it gives um, uh, it gives you a sense of 
I don't want to even say closure. I can't even think of the word, but it makes you grounded on something that yeah. there was something that caused it. Like this whole, like, I don't know, doesn't sit well with us. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know it had nothing to do with it. My doctor was like, it was a match and we didn't know we took a chance and we can do this again. And so three months later, I'm back at it. We stick the egg in. I'm pregnant by five days past transfer. <laughs> and this time my levels never double. And I do blood draw after blood draw for two and a half weeks because one time it would double and then the other time it would, and then it would double, but it was never like doing very well. Yeah. And so he brings me in at six weeks and there's no heartbeat, but he said, I was leaving to go to Washington. So he brought me in like at the cusp line of like knowing if there was going to be a heartbeat or not. So he said, I'll see you when you get back from Washington. I was going to be gone almost three weeks. So I get back and um, I'm nine weeks at this point. And of course he sticks the probe in and he's like, I already knew this three weeks ago, but we just wanted to make sure. And, and you didn't he, bleed or anything throughout those oh, my three body, weeks. So my body didn't attack it. Mm-hmm. So he's like, this is a blighted ovum, which must've been a non-match because my body never disposed of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a blighted ovum. So he said, I will do the DNC for free for you if you can do it with any, without drugs. Oh, goodness. So he says to me, you're the one of the strongest women I've ever known, and I know you can do this. And so I <laughs> I did my DNC awake. <gasps> oh, I've never had a DNC, but I know a lot of women who have just by, you know, having these conversations. And Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was an experience. Um, I don't wish that on anybody to be awake during it. It yeah. was... It was just traumatic in its own mm-hmm. way because it's a little – you hear a vacuum, you hear suction, you, you are thrown back and forth as it's being all sucked out. It was <laughs> something I don't ever think – I kind of pushed out of my mind. But So now whenever I know a woman's having DNC, I know exactly what they're going through. And so I shower them with so much love because they go to sleep and they wake up and the baby's gone. But I know what, what happened to their body while they were asleep. And yeah. it's it's – it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. So that, and they do genetic testing and it comes back and it was trisomy 16, which is a very common early miscarriage, blight of ovum type of thing where um, they wouldn't, the baby would never have lived to um, breathe air. So that's why the body usually stops developing. Um, but I found out it was a girl. They can find that out. Mm-hmm. Because oh there's D- the DNA of when they pull the baby yeah. out, of it. it's all there. So they tell me it's a little girl, and um, so then I'm like, okay, I have a little girl that's fighting. Like this is her. I have a little girl that's wanting. Yeah. Because we we didn't find out my that my son was a boy. We we waited till the very end, and so three months later, well, ended up being a little bit longer because of scheduling. So we we transferred our third time in October of 2015 and this time my little fighter made it and we had a easy pregnancy with her I got a cerclage at 11 weeks for preventative reasons and we um had a pretty a pretty smooth sailing compared to my son and she was 9-7 at 38 weeks 
Oh my goodness. She's a big baby. <laughs> she was huge. <laughs> and I'm not a very big person. Um, and everybody was like, where were you hiding that baby? And I had to have a C-section because she was so big. Um, her so the, her the girth, girth her girth was 41 weeks. Oh that's my how, goodness. That's how big her shoulders It very much sounds like you. I've done like a lot of research on like the spiritual side of miscarriages. It sounds like you believe in that too, where it's like um, your children are kind of like already out there mm-hmm. and they're just waiting to come through. And if you do believe in that kind of thought process, miscarriages, it's actually, it's the same child just trying to fight through and will eventually get there. Yes. Type of a thing. Yeah. So especially that's really cool. For me, especially early on miscarriages. Yeah. They, they really never had a heartbeat, that kind mm-hmm. of a thing. I feel like that's the same little spirit that's trying to get here with the body that's correct. Yeah. Because It's called my, spirit, your spirit child, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah I think that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, when we got pregnant that third time, I told my husband, I said, it's a girl. And he was mm-hmm. like, no, it's not. And I'm like, it's a girl. I promise you. And we didn't find out. And he says, it's a girl. Oh, I said, that's so cool. It was the little, I knew once we found out that girl, it was her that was going to try coming. Um, and so it was, it was amazing. She ended up being in the NICU a couple of weeks because of sugar issues and stuff, but she's a little spitfire. She's two mm-hmm. and she's just, she's my Is that mini. her in the background? Yes. <laughs> it's my little mini. Um, and then we just kind of like, we've just been savoring you know, everything. And then when on Christmas Eve, 2016, so she was six months old, I was four days late and I called my nurses on the 23rd and I was like, um, is it possible for me to get pregnant? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, well, um, I'm going to be four days late tomorrow. And they were like, what? And they were like, well, did you take a test? And I'm like, no. <laughs> my baby is six months old. Dr. Cher says I could never get pregnant on my own. Like, no. They're like, take a test. So I go to the store, and it's Christmas Eve morning at 3 in the morning, and I can't wait any longer. So I take a test. And that line showed up before I even got to the control line. And I was like, what? In shock. Yeah. What? So I call my, my nurses, they had babies. So they were all up every, we were all up at the same time at three in the morning feeding our babies. Dr. Cher was in Africa. So he was totally in our time zone or like up during the day. <laughs> and we did like this Facebook Skype thing. Like, I can't believe this Dr. Cher, what's going on. And he's like, you know, science isn't perfect. And science says that this is not possible, but God makes all things possible. And I was like, he's like, cause you shouldn't be pregnant. Your natural killer cells are too high. So I was like, okay, I'm pregnant. I dropped the bomb on my, my husband, which was like, what? We're going to have two babies 13 months <laughs> apart, but can you complain about something like this? No. And, um, that next day my nurse grabs the interlipids. She grabs my prednisone. She grabs all my medication I need. We get it in that afternoon before all this stuff for celebrations of Christmas Eve and I go into the Christmas season like flying I'm like Mm -hmm. I cannot believe I have a Christmas miracle like it's amazing 
And um, I do my blood work. Everything looks good. I go to I go to Idaho to see Brian's parents, and I come back on the eighth. And that night, I start spotting. And I'm like, "You're done." I'm six weeks and six days or five days. I, I'm, I'm done. This is it. And I have an ultrasound because I'm supposed to be on seven weeks on Tuesday. And I, I, I had no hopes going into the ultrasound. Yeah. So I, so I text my doctor and I'm like, Dr. Wilkes, don't be excited. It's not going to work. And we walk into the ultrasound and he puts it in and there is a beautiful baby and a beautiful heartbeat. Oh my goodness. And he's like, Carmen, I don't know what your spotting's from, but there is no signs of issues. This baby has a beautiful heartbeat. It's measuring a week behind, but you, we don't know this time around, like actually when you're ovulated. And I'm like, well, I'm regular. I, I counted out. It should be this, but I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe I had just stopped nursing. So it could be, you know, messed up and I had only had one period before we got pregnant so I really was like yeah I guess it could be right and he's like I'll see you next week everything looks amazing and my husband and I just bawled and we hugged and we're like we did it we actually did this on our own and we saw heartbeat and I walked out thinking wow okay well we had two embryos left at Dr. Cher's office that we've been paying for and I've always felt that there's one more little boy for our family and I was like this is it this is this is it and um I we go to Dr. Cher's office and we talk about what we're going to do with the eggs because I don't we're not going to use them you know I'm pregnant yeah. I have a heartbeat and I go home and and who has a friend that wants to talk to me about infertility. And I do that a lot. And long story short, she has no eggs and she's looking for an egg donor. Well, I say to her, I have embryos. If you're up for embryos, because I have two that we're going to dispose of, would you like my two embryos? I'm pregnant. And I know this is our last because I have felt just one more. And would you like them? And, um, she's crying. I'm crying. I'm like, how amazing is this day? I'm pregnant. I have a heartbeat and she's going to have a chance to be a mom. And, um, so I, I give her my word. We exchange, she has a, a lot of mutual friends exchange. I said, don't tell anybody that you're doing this for, through me because you know, too many people that know me and I don't, I don't want that. This is, yeah. these, these babies are going to be yours if they work, you know? So then the next day I start bleeding and I start bleeding hard. And that night I lose the baby. And that is this week's anniversary of two years ago. Oh, those <laughs> and that, dates. And it's funny because I've never been a date girl. Yeah. Even with all the different losses. But this date has been rough. Yeah. Um, I think because, one, I saw a heartbeat. Two, I gave my last two embryos away that were potentially could have been my baby mm-hmm. to, to close my family. So it's, it's rough. Um, but I went forward. I didn't tell her I lost the baby. I didn't want her to feel guilty. 
I wanted her to get these babies and enjoy them and hopefully that they take and, and how wonderful for me. I mean, I have two beautiful blessings and this is an opportunity for her to be a mom, you know? So she transfers in June and um, in July, neither of them take, which I'm just like, how? Um, but I kind of closed the door on everything thinking our family's complete and we're done. And, um, the next month is August and my son comes up to me and he says, mom, when's my baby brother coming? And I'm like, uh, never. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, no, when is he coming? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't think there is, you have a sister. He goes, no, I have a baby brother. And I was like, no, you don't. And two weeks later, I, I'm only a day late and I have this thought, you need to take a pregnancy test. And I was like, what? No, I don't. I'm only a day late. And it was just a strong feeling. So I was like, whatever. So I go to the store, I ride a pregnancy test and I, the, the thing freaking is positive. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Call the doctors, go in, get everything done. And um, at this point, I'm not, I'm not naive to the fact that I didn't do interlipids prior to conception. And so the body's going to attack this baby. I go in full force knowing that the chances of this baby surviving is pretty slim to none. But I'm like, whatever will be, will be, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I go, I always travel when I'm, when I just find out I'm pregnant because I go up to Idaho and it's the, it's the end of September and I'm again six weeks almost ready for my seven, my seven week ultrasound and I start spotting and I lose the baby on September 30th and that was number 13. Oh wow. Um, and I get this feeling like you know what if I do the interlipid therapy and just try on our own. Naturally yeah. Because obviously my body's wanting to do this, you know. And so we set up a time frame to do that. And um, this October was kind of the closing of the chapter. And if it hadn't happened by then, then we just need to be done. Mm-hmm. And so October, I think it was the 12th or somewhere around there, my period came. And it was a hard thing to swallow that we're officially like done done even though I still don't feel complete yeah what what, I can't keep doing this to myself you know yeah you gotta just call it the doors are shut and move on to your chapter and and I have two beautiful miracles in my Mm -hmm. arms in my face and I I'm just grateful and I have to just embrace that and because there are women who would die to just have one or at all, you know? So I feel yeah. like it's okay to, and it was interesting when I wrote this post, how much the women responded to me and they really like opened me with open arms because I felt selfish. I felt, um, I did. I felt so selfish for being, for mourning uh, yeah. when I have, when I have two children, you know? But they were so awesome about like showing me the fact like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you want another one, you're still that's happy. still in your heart. Mm-hmm. You're still grieving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And totally. I never, I never allowed myself to think that way. 
So, so that's yeah. my that's my story. Honestly, like that was incredible, <laughs> and you told it so like like what I loved about the way you told it is like there, it was very uplifting too. <laughs> like it, it, you know, it wasn't like oh gosh, I just feel so sorry for her. You know what I mean? Like you <laughs> you you have such a beautiful story with it all, and I think that that's I really truly, special. I truly feel like. The things, the trials we go through in our life are not meant to punish us. I don't believe God's a punishing God. I believe that God is a loving God. And I believe that there are certain things that we go through for our learning to help us grow and to define who we are and to learn to lean upon him. But I also feel like what we go through is for other people. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. And I think you're yep. feeling that as you're doing your, your page and your podcast, like you are using your trial for something good. And I have helped um, just Dr. Shares people. I've helped mm-hmm. over 30 women through this process of finding out this diagnosis. I've helped women who didn't know about this diagnosis find out that they have it and now carry babies and have babies from that. And I feel like, you know, my, it was worth it. Is Mm -hmm. that crazy to say? It was worth it to have this heartache and loss to make sure that nobody else has as much as me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. (laughs) So I'm telling you, you're my soul sister. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't look at, um, I don't look at my, my, this trial with anger. I don't look at it with um, resentment. I look at it as this beautiful blessing. And I had to have that many losses for me to find a doctor that could figure it out. Yes. Um, I mean, the natural killer cells is becoming more, still there's a lot of doctors who don't Mm -hmm. believe it, but it's becoming more well-known where, you know, a while ago, five, six years ago, it was still kind of in the verge. And I needed to have that many for mm-hmm. the doctors to be like, whoa, something is going on with this girl. Yeah. Instead of just one, two, or three. And yeah. I kind of pushed under the, the rug of like unexplained recurrent pregnancy loss kind of a thing. Yeah. So, Not to put any pressure on you, but if you had any piece of advice for women out there kind of going through very, you know, something very similar to you, what would it be? Don't give up. There's always hope. Um, If my biggest thing that I put on here is um, I, I, the sunflower is like my favorite flower because it emulates something. The sunflower always looks up and always follows the sun and it goes through darkness and clouds and it constantly is looking up. And I feel like if you're in this rut of infertility through your journal, keep looking up, keep looking for hope keep emulating what the sunflower stands for. And if you feel in your heart, it is not done, which I felt this like pull, like every time yeah. I, I can't say that there wasn't times where I was like, screw this. I'm done. I, we, we're not going to have kids. And then it was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, 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 like something kept pulling me. And I'm like, if you feel that pull, keep fighting, keep fighting. Cause there's always hope. Eventually you'll get there. Yeah. Eventually. And and eventually if you'll eventually know answers, Mm -hmm. I think too, like, does everybody going to end up having a baby? No, unfortunately. And that breaks my heart, but you got to get to that point where you feel in your heart, you're done. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel that, keep 
Yeah. Otherwise it's just unfinished business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, where can people find you? Cause I'm sure after listening to this, people are going to want to look you up and figure <laughs> out where they could reach out. Where's the best place to do that? It's uh, the, my Instagram page is probably the easiest way to okay. find me. And it's the, um, at Carmen Winterland, K A R N A N N. It's a long one. W E N N E R L I N D. Awesome. I'll link, I'll link it below too in the description Perfect. of this podcast. So it'll be easy Perfect. for people. And then I think your blog is in the, it's the link in your bio too. So yes. And that Perfect. blog is interesting because that blog is what I did back in the day. So I blogged my journey on that blog. So it was when the blogs were huge. No Instagram yeah. was even available. Yeah. No Instagram. <laughs> no Instagram basically is a mini blog. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel, I feel like so ancient when I think about like the my blogging days. Now it's just so different. Everybody is so, everything has to be like, yeah. you know. But yeah, my story is all on that blog. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. <laughs> it's going to be so helpful for so many women. So oh, I appreciate you. you. I right. appreciate you. This has been oh. awesome. Sorry it was so long. <laughs> no, I think you, I mean, your story's long. You got to get it all out there. So <laughs> this was perfect. And you're going to change so many lives because of it. So thank you thank so you. much. I'm excited for you. Oh, thanks. I'll be watching you from now on. I'm excited. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Carmen. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. 